visiting with our Shop of the Week, Kyle Nattenstead. And Kyle, you know, we often talk about what it means to have family that have gone through this organization. We've talked to Chambers about it. We've talked to a number of guys, even Trevor Sobraco. When you're around it from, like, elementary, middle school, because you have brothers playing in it or you have some sort of family connection playing, you know, even Will Maggots talked about it with his cousin. You hear all of the family connections at Westlake, and it's so unique to have not just one, not just two, but three brothers, and two of those three play the position that you play. Tell me about that family connection and how much it's helped you. I think it's really special because, like you said, my entire life I've basically been growing up watching Westlake play football. So it was always a goal of mine to get to the point I'm at now and be a starter and like a big part of this team. And being able to watch Ryan and Luke play the offensive line when I was younger, that really started to make me want to become an offensive lineman. So then when I finally got in this position that I'm in now, being a captain and just all this, it's I think that they really helped me get here because they were big role models for me, all three of them. And they just showed me the way it should look in Westlake. And then I just kind of took that and ran with it. When you have that at such a young age, you're automatically gravitating towards Coach Murdoch. Last year, you were kind of that sixth man. You were rotating in, having opportunities to to get the playing time when you got it, battling through the injuries, of which there were several, and now you're kind of in the same boat. But it's a different perspective because of that leadership ability and that quality that you bring to the club. It's definitely harder because, I mean, last year, like you said, I was the sixth man, and I was just doing everything I could for the team when I got my opportunity and I would obviously be able to fight through the pain. I would show it, and it it would suck to go through it, but this year it's like now that I'm a leader, I can't really show that I'm hurting. I have to push through and be a good example to all the the younger guys that are also going through some of the same stuff. You want to kind of grimace sometimes. You want to, you know, just feel that pain, but you really can't show it until, you know, after everything's done with. You know, I used to say when people ask, well, what's the difference between a Westlake football player and every other football player in the state? And I went, well, intelligence that's number one but number two the commitment to being a a well-educated football player coach salazar likes to call this it you know varsity football at westlake is advanced ap football it's it's not it's not algebra one if you will what i take from that is the commitment not only to the craft of football but everything that comes with it not just the execution on game day it's the practice it's the film review it's constantly talking with one another and that comes down to relationships Every Wednesday, I come in to interview Coach Salazar. Every Wednesday or Thursday during playoffs, I am in here. After third period, the football period is over with. Every single offensive lineman is in the coach's office. They're all eating lunch together. They're all watching film together. And I get to see it firsthand. And so I don't make this comment blindly and and, and assuming that y'all are as tight as you are. But it's one of the biggest families, size and heart-wise, on the team. As an offensive lineman, like our unit, we take pride in how close we are. I think we're probably the closest position group on the team just because we spend so much time together. Like you said, we're in here every single day during lunch watching film and uh, just chatting it up, you know, cutting it up with the guys. And it's really fun because those guys, you come into the season, you may not know some of them too well. Like the younger guys like Jared Reisinger, didn't know him at all. Wasn't super close with Dutch Skinner. I mean, I was friends with him, but now those are some of like my best buds just because I'm in here every single day with them, and I spend more time with them than I do my own family. So it's, it's you kind of don't have a choice but to become close with them. I think also it tends to help your legacy because as the final Natinstead, mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of in that unique position of, okay, where, where JT left it, okay, it's grown. Where Ryan left it, it's grown. And then where Luke left it, it's grown. And on your watch... It's probably been the most successful it's ever been. 
and that's even with the adversity that that has happened this year. You you look at what Wesley football has gone through, especially on the offensive line. We've been lucky the last three years where we haven't had a major injury or a series of major injuries. That is not the case. The football gods have answered, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, when you look back at it, our last major injury on the offensive line was probably Blake Webster in 2018, which was Ryan's senior year. And this year, it just hit us hard, and it was so kind of back-to-back, you know, it was TJ's ACL, and then a week or two after that, Riley broke his leg. So that was something hard to deal with, but we pride ourselves on having the depth on the offensive line, just like we did last year. When TJ went out in the state game, I was ready to step in. When, you know, Riley went down, Jared was ready to pick up a bigger role. It's the same thing every year, and it's something that we just take pride in, knowing that we have at least six or seven guys that can play the same exact way that the starters do. You know, the incubator program is such a big deal on campus. There's so much attention to academics. It's one of the best schools in the state. So I think we can kind of talk about this. And the offensive line, there's always one guy that's like the executive vice president. Every single year, you know, there's an EVP of the O-line. And, and you can look back and see who that has been. And obviously you brought up Blake Webster, heart and soul, not mm-hmm. just of the offensive line, but the team. team. Yeah, yeah, so a guy like you who, A, aware of that, B, understands how powerful that role is, and more importantly, how you don't have to be the best, the biggest, the strongest, or even the most recruited to be that executive mm-hmm. vice president. I mean, when you look at it, it's the same way kind of Jack Griffin took hold of it last year. It's just you may not be the the six five, six six, you know, three hundred pounder like some of the guys we've had in the past, but character. You know, you got to have character, and I think that being the guy in this unit that you know is the leader is kind of the bell cow is really special because something about the offensive line I feel like it's just a different animal than every other other position and if you can harness that and kind of take ownership in it then I, I think you're just a special guy and I think that we definitely have you know kind of like a, a ranking of, of leadership in here you know it's like you know me Briggle Nap you know it kind of goes down like that and, and we all you know take turns of you know being the ones trying to rein everybody in because it's it's a Big group to have to deal with with a lot of talkers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you brag on Tyler because Tyler has been, you know, one of those guys, you, you look at you, you know, and it's one thing to take on more of a leadership role in the absence of injured players. It is quite another to not only take over a leadership role, but to shift positions entirely. Mm-hmm. And because of the two injuries that we talked about and then the kind of the injury in plain sight, is the one to TJ Christian, you move to center. And it's not a situation where you haven't played the position before, but you haven't played it at a varsity level. So when you make the shift to center, it kind of left Tyler out there kind of on an island and said, hey, you're the new guy, but here's the expectation. Mm -hmm. And he's answered every question to every test Mm -hmm. that that you've ever given him as a leader and that the game has ever presented him. Tyler and I, I mean, we've been playing football together eight, nine years He's one of my closest friends, and just seeing him kind of get this opportunity to be such a big player in our team this year is just made me so happy. And of course, when he got that first offer to Arizona State, I mean, we were we were crying together. Like he's like a little brother to me. So it was so awesome, like seeing him get to this level of success, and just seeing him just every day he gets better, and he starts just taking more ownership of what his role is. And I think next year he's obviously going to be that guy on the offensive line, and I think he'll be ready for that role too. Tradition is always something that's big here at Westlake, and I think this wave or generation of Westlake football. A lot of people think, well, Westlake football existed before nine years ago, but something about this run is a lot different than the runs that Westlake has been on in the past. For me, I look at all of the tradition that was building up to this point. It it got a shot in the arm. Mm -hmm. There's something about it nine years ago that said, we're tired of getting to the last game. We want to win it. Mm -hmm. And this run of the last six seasons, and I brought this up with Coach Alizar in a pregame conversation, 
It's 86 and four, man. It's 90 games, 86 wins, three titles, and getting to the state semifinal every single year in that six year run. From an experienced side, you have guys that have, and I'll be honest, have no business playing right now because of how banged up they are. You take our conversation with Paxton Briggle, who's been hurt the last two years, who's been basically in the training room while you guys have been out winning state championships. And now, because of injury, ironically, he is getting the opportunity, and he's taped up. He's mummified. You're taped up. You're mummified. I mean, everybody has seemed to take on this without any care in the world about their physical makeup. They know if their heart's intact and their mind's intact, everything's going to work out. From the start of this season, we had a goal. We set our goal. We're going to go win four in a row. We're going to be the best team ever, some might say. If you can walk and you can still kind of lift, you're playing. Like, if you can move your body around well enough, then you are going to play football because there's too many guys in here who have poured four years of their lives into this program to just let it slip away. So I think now that we're at this spot that we're at where we're playing North Shore this week and we're finally, you know, here, this is a game we've been talking about all year. This is what we practice for. It's just big because we know what so many people are going through and we just know, hey, we got two more weeks, guys. We can do we can do two more weeks of pushing through the pain, right? Then we can go get our respective surgeries or whatever you need to do, you know, then heal up and boom, you're, you're the best team ever. There's no point in stopping now. There are two guys on the staff that I would call kind of the wizards, Brandon Murdoch, Brian Bosick, those two guys. Let me get your thoughts on on Coach Murdoch and just how he is able to communicate and the relationship that he's developed with your room. I mean, like you said, he he is somewhat of a wizard. He will text us at like 2 in the morning and say, I just woke up, had an epiphany on how we're going to run something, you know. He'll write it up on the board, you know, the next day in film. But he's awesome. The way he, he just takes... The new guys that we bring in each year, you know, like guys that getting brought up, whatever, getting moved to third period. He just takes them in. He says all the time, you know, he loves us like his own sons. Or he, He's a father figure to all of us, I think, just because what he pours into this program, like, reflects back on us. So if we're not performing, it looks bad on him. We play for him, in a sense, just because we know everything that he does for us and all the coaching staff does for us, but especially him. So we kind of feel like we let him down if we don't play to our, our standard. I also think the peer pressure is big on film day as well because what Coach Salazar, Coach Murdoch, what all of them say is nobody wants to look bad in film. And that kind of peer pressure doesn't exist in a whole lot of programs. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true for the offensive line. No lazy steps. If, if there is a breakdown on a play, where is it? Let's fix it. It's, it's not a situation where a coach is telling you to do something. You're fixing the problem before you even hear about it. Mm-hmm. It's something that we definitely talk about, you know, going into each time, you know, you put the twos or the threes in that we're like, hey, this is y'all's opportunity. Go make something out of it. Let's have a fun time watching film tomorrow, right? That's what we always say. Let's make it fun to watch on Saturday. When we get to that Saturday film session, you know, people are cutting it up, you know, having a good time. And then, you know, you watch somebody mess something up and it may be one of the funniest things ever just because they know what they did wrong and they've been talking about it since the game and they're just waiting to get made fun of in the film room. But then, then you know, it kind of turns a little more serious and Coach Murdoch starts coaching them up. And then next week, what do you know? They fix the problem. Well, you fix the problem and, and, and all of a sudden that, that person who, who may have had a, an unfortunate experience in film room turns out to be the most productive player in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it works sometimes mm-hmm. is that it's it's so much of a brotherhood in there. To me, there's no better way of policing than policing yourselves because when you've got a strong leadership and you've got a commitment, a coach shouldn't have to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're at the point now in your, in your growth pattern here going into the, the big bad world. You know, obviously your experiences in football are going to help you overcome those moments in life that are going to set you back. What do you do? 
to answer those setbacks. And I mm-hmm. think you're getting a, a front row seat playing Westlake football. I, I agree. I think it's it's just what we learn through like our camaraderie and learning how to trust each other is something that's seriously going to help us when we grow up and we're you know we have jobs and we have a wife and kids and all that. It's like you have to be able to trust the other person. You have to be able to trust the person next to you on the field, and you got to be able to trust somebody you're working with, living with. And if you don't trust them, nine times out of ten, it's going to fail. So you kind of got to have that strong group within the starting five and deeper than that, too, because like we've talked about, injuries happen. People have to come in. You have to trust everybody. Jack Jack is a legend in these hallways, not just because he was one of the, the more accomplished centers, but now that you're playing the position, how much does his leadership from years past, how much do you look back at that and go, okay, this is what Jack did. This is what Blake did. Ryan told me this. Luke told me this. How much of those influences around you make you the captain that you are? Mm-hmm. I definitely try to take in as much as I can. You know, obviously last year I didn't realize I was going to be in the position I was in playing center. When I look back on it and I think about kind of the ways he would lead, I definitely try to bottle it all up and, and use it for myself. But then I also look at his technique in games and, and Webster's technique and seeing how they could both work so efficiently with their pressure points on the guy's hips, getting them knocked over, because that's definitely something that's difficult at center, because when you look at it, me and Jack-Jack, both about six foot, 240, and every week we're going up against guys that are 6'3", 300 pounds, right? So it's not it's not an easy battle, but we, we find a way to win every time. Let me take you back to a moment that I know was really, really special for you. That moment in the stadium where you were named a captain. I know as, as the fourth brother through, that's kind of a big deal. Tell us about that experience. It, it was special for sure. I mean, I, I kind of, obviously I had this hope that I was going to get, you know, named captain. I thought I'd done enough. I, I was a little worried just coming off of surgery, not being there through all of off season that that might hurt me a little bit. But of course my dad up there announcing decided to save my name for last. When I finally heard my name, you know, get called, I, I just got goosebumps. I got chills because I just feel like everything that I've been working for these past four years is kind of all coming together right now. And when I finally got you know, called up there and just, I look up there and it's Chambers, Dollar, Vosick, Petty, Jaden. It's all these guys that I've been best friends with for most of my life. And, you know, I've played football with for so long. It's such a special group that I get to share this with. Final thought with Kyle Natt instead of our Shap of the Week. And I think it's not lost on the guys that are, quote, Westlake guys. The guys that have been here since jump. The Pop Warner, the middle school, freshman seasons, JV, playing varsity as a junior, playing varsity as a senior, being a captain. I I don't think any team could be compared to this one either prior to or any teams moving forward. And I say this to you, and I've said it to your teammates these 15 weeks. This group is different because unlike other teams who would ignore the elephant in the room, who would maybe not make a big deal about it, who would probably treat it like we treat no hitters in baseball, right? We don't talk about it. You guys have talked about it. You guys have owned it. You're not even worried about there being a target on your back. You're putting it on the front. You're putting it on the back. You'll put it wherever you want. Mm -hmm. The kind of ownership that this team has on what's at stake, what they can do, how to be a part of history, to me at 16, 17, 18 years old, I think it's lost on a lot of people how hard it is to accept it, how difficult it is to take the steps and make the sacrifices necessary to get to that goal and then ultimately achieve it. Take us back to that day in August where your captains and and the team said, we're doing this. You know, you just look around at all these guys who you've seen just pour everything they have into the program. There's just no denying that that's what our goal is going to be, right? So we think, okay, we can set our goal for playoffs and, you know, we'll see what happens, right? But that's kind of just a loser's attitude. You want to go in there and you want to set your goal 
for the biggest thing of the entire year. So you want to go win state. You want to be the best team ever. That's what we all want to do. And we all said that August 3rd when we started practicing. We said this is what we want to do. And now we're finally in this position to do it. And it's just super special to share it with this group of guys that we have. He's Kyle Nattenstead, our Shab of the Week. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you.